Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, my name is Matt Wake. People pay me to write uh, words about music. Today, I'm with Jay Scott talking words about music on The Hook Rocks. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott is the Hook Rocks. Another episode here in the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. As I always mention at the beginning of every episode, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. So please check out some of my friends like Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice on the Hanging and Banging Podcast, Martin Popoff, the Rock Historian, Mistress Carrie out in Boston, Tom and Zeus, the number one rated uh, KISS podcast at Shout Out Loudcast, as well as Mac on the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast, and many, many more. So check out all those. Check out Pantheon Pods, wherever you do your social media, just search up Pantheon Pods and check out their website at PantheonPodcast.com. And don't forget to check out the Hook Rocks wherever you podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon. We're on every platform. And follow us on our social media accounts like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search up the Hook Rocks. Don't forget to write us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. We always appreciate the feedback. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest and greatest episode right to your phone whenever it does drop. We uh, are approaching our 400th episode here pretty soon, so we're really excited about that. We've had some great episodes recently. We just did our quarterly review of the top albums over the past three months. We do that every three months, four times a year, and then we cap off the year with our annual top-rated albums of the year that we've been talking about, so check out that. We mentioned like 80 different bands and albums, and we rank our top 10. There's some contributors, too, from some of our... Twitter followers, and of course, my uh, great host on those shows, Chris Corradetti. We've had Joe Satriani. We've had Mark Tremonti. We've had Stephen Piercy on the show recently, as well as some great new music spotlights, such as Band Inc., Georgia Thunderbolts. We've had Joyous Wolf, 
recently too as well. We actually had a collaborative episode with Nick Reese as well as Gernina Mancini from the band Thunder Mother. So that's a really cool episode to listen to. So check out that um, and many others. So please uh, give them all a listen. We do a lot of focus on new music. That's what we're all about. And we have a great emerging band from the state of Michigan, which is north of Chicago. Been wanting to have them on for a while, ever since I saw their, their name tagged to Joyous Wolf, because I'm a huge Joyous Wolf fan. Checked out their music, blown away. The band is Frame 42, and we have the whole band here for you today. So excited to have that. What is happening with you guys? What's going on? Thanks for doing this. Thank you for Thank having, you for having us. us. Yeah. Um, right now, we're mostly just writing. We're trying to get a second album out there. We had about, like... 15 songs we're about to start pre-production and then uh this coming week we've got a lot of summer gigs to go on we're going to be with warrant and winger the 29th which is going to be an awesome gig in uh bay city we're going to be at um a nascar race um august 7th at the michigan international speedway and then the most exciting, I think, at least yeah, for me, is, is. we'll be at um, the Blue Ridge Festival in Virginia on Friday, September 9th, and that's going to be incredible. Huge. Alice Cooper Insane. will be there. Hailstorm, Brock's yep. favorite, Gojira, will be oh, there. Yeah. I am so excited. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cannibal Corpse, too. Sounds like you guys are pretty busy. That's great to hear. <laughs> Especially, you know, we've been, you know, being locked down for almost two years and kind of having a lot of stops and starts that I'm sure you guys are well aware of. It's nice to see. I mean, I just went to Milwaukee Summerfest a couple of weeks, weekends ago and was able to see the cult, the warning and Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, which was absolutely awesome, too, as well. So festivals are awesome especially if you're into seeing new bands, because a lot of new bands are on those bills like you guys. And uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff, but why don't we go around and introduce yourselves um, to the audience. I'm Ava Morris, and I'm the singer. Uh, I'm Brock Morris, and I'm the bass player. I'm Michael, and I play guitar. I'm Ben, and I also play guitar. I'm Lucas, I'm the drummer. Awesome. So what's the story of Frame 42? I know you guys had some changes recently, um, but uh, let's get into that. Let's get into kind of get to know, get to know you mode. Um, how did you guys begin? Where'd you guys start? Uh, so we all went to the same music school. It's called DB's Live in Lapeer, Michigan. And we were all, all, all under the instruction of Deb Barber, who she kind of taught us and guided us and, she decided to put us all together in a band, and so then we just started going and kind of shooting up for gigs and stuff. And But we all started at the same music school and then just kind of got formed together. I always ask the same question every time we have a first-time guest on the show, and you guys can answer this individually. But just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked you on rock and roll? What was it for you each individually? Oh my gosh. Mine is um, when I was in fourth grade, my parents took Brock and I to Las Vegas and we went to see the Beatles Cirque du Soleil. And that was my first time really being 
exposed to the Beatles. They're like my favorite band, like my number one now. But and, you know, growing up in the Midwest, classic rock is like a huge part of the culture here. So I was always exposed to rock. But when I saw the Beatles Cirque du Soleil, I was obsessed and I still am with the Beatles. And then that just kind of spiraled into different like other bands and I'm really into kind of like Simon and Garfunkel or and like Janis Joplin kind of the folkier stuff but that really like I don't know why it was just so like just listening to their songs because some of them I hadn't really like I've listened to their main ones but before before then but then when I saw that and it just came to life with the all the acrobats and stuff and it was just like a whole new experience and it was just really cool. Have you seen the Get Back documentary? Uh yes, on Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That one's cool too. And it kind of like it's cool because it's something that we can relate to because that's kind of how we write as we all just sit together and it's just I think all musicians can relate to it, which is super cool. Awesome. For me, it was uh, in eighth grade. I had a computer class where I was doing, like, coding. And basically every day I would sneakily watch uh, Van Halen's, I think it was 1986 concert DVD. And specifically the guitar solo of Eddie Van Halen doing Eruption. And I had been playing for a couple years at that point, but it was like just watching that every single day for a couple months, it was like, holy cow, like I really want to do this. And so I've been all in ever since. That that guitar solo, that version on that on that DVD still gives me goosebumps every time I see it because it's just, oh, yeah. it's amazing. And when he, after he passed, when I first heard Eruption, it was at my parents' house and I was, gosh, I think eight years old at the time. And my brother had the album. He was at school. I snuck in his room. I took it. I, I put the headphones on. I took my mom's Barry Manilow record off the turntable. And I just was, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It sounded like, I didn't know it was a guitar because yeah. it, nothing I heard, I'd heard before that sounded like that. So after he passed, my mother still lives in my, my, uh, my childhood home. And I brought my son who's, it was 16 or 15 at the time. And I brought him into the living room. I go, this is where it happened. This is where I heard eruption for the first time. Like we were in a museum, you know, and it, it, it that piece of music just means so much to so many people because, oh, yeah. because it gave you a sense of wonder after you heard it, because it gave you a sense that anything is possible on any instrument, no matter, no matter what you play. Yeah. I think it's definitely one of the most important guitar moments ever if not the most important guitar moment ever you could be right on that yeah um i think mine you know i always like classic rock like growing up i feel like i just grab it like i always played guitar hero and stuff and i always listen to that but i think the first moment was my first concert which was a kiss concert and that was like the first time i got to see like what that kind of music did to people and like the theatrics and like the playing and like, you know, all the costumes, makeup and Gene Simmons spitting out blood and him flying on a zipline over my head. 
So I feel like just experiencing that for like the first time, I think it just kind of like imprinted like the whole genre in my brain. And I think it always, it will, it will always be there. I think it's because of that moment. What tour was that? Huh? Uh, I was like eight, I'm 19. So, but I was like probably seven or eight. Okay. Nine years ago, but I, you know, it was amazing. Yeah, they are amazing act live. They always put on a great show. Um, yeah, I've seen them several times throughout my life. And again, going back to that sense of wonder with both, you know, the Beatles into Eruption to Kiss, you know, it just anything's possible in music. And yeah. there's no boundaries really with, you know, with, with, with what you want to do. Right. Yeah. Well, I think mine, I always kind of come back to find that that was kind of the first hook for me was in like the seventh grade, my uh, buddy's dad took me and him to see Iron Maiden at the palace. And that was my first concert. But, um, and it was, I mean, to this day, it was probably the most theatrical and just all around amazing show that I've ever seen. Yeah. They're coming uh, in the fall and apparently this is going to be their, the most, like ambitious set that they have in terms of movable parts and everything. So it's supposed to be pretty intense, but I remember being a kid and seeing the number, my, my, my friend down the streets, older brother had a uh, number of the beast poster that glowed in the dark. Oh, wow. That's and when I was like eight or nine, it scared the crap out of me. It was like, <laughs> but it was awesome at the same time. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with the same as the other two. Uh, my first concert, um, I think we all went to it. Uh, Jimi Hendrix experience, like, cause I've always like we, I've always listened to music, whatever. But that was my first time seeing like a full packed, packed venue with all of us there. It was like we all want to do this mm-hmm. for the rest of our lives. Like that was like the moment where it was like. Okay, we can visualize this now. I don't know. That was your first concert? Yeah, yeah. Me neither. <laughs> exactly. Now was that was that with a bunch of other guitar players? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 It was like we had dinner with Kenny Arnoff before. Okay. That was really cool. Me, uh, me and Ben, uh, we touched Zach Wilde's hand. We <laughs> <laughs> shook his hand. Monumental. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> have you ever? Have you guys ever been to a Black Label Society show? No, 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 I almost did, but it was like eight hours away, and I was not. That's an that's an interesting experience. <laughs> that is an interesting experience because it's like it's all adrenaline for like an hour and a half, and it's like a Sons of Anarchy convention, basically. It's like there's like metal detectors, and it's like it's pretty intense. It's what a rock and roll metal show should be, basically. So as far as the band goes, you guys found each other at, at a music school. You started to develop a relationship and play music together and kind of, you know, build that synergy with each other. When did the writing come for you guys in terms of, you know, collaborating with either a riff or lyrics? How does that, how did that happen with, with Frame 42? Probably that like probably two or three, three years in. Yeah, right. it didn't start right away, I don't think. Well, we were... well, we've all been writing songs, I think, on our own. So, well, when I remember being in fourth grade and writing a song about 
my boyfriend at the time who wanted to play soccer with the other kids and wouldn't hang out with me. So me and my friend Peyton wrote a song and we marched out to the soccer field and we sang it to him. And I think that was the first song that I wrote. And then I, no, probably not the first one, but then I worked with Deb on it a little bit. But then I didn't really think about writing in the band because we had been just focused on like, oh, this would be a cool song to play right. and, like, learning all these covers Getting and stuff. Gigs. Well, yeah, like, when we get gigs, like, we need to fill up a time slot. We just, we're going to do covers. So, like, we'll learn all this, we'll, we'll, we'll learn all these songs and, you know, well, learning the songs, it got us better. Mm-hmm. And so then one, one day, I think, yeah, Deb was like, you guys should just, like, write your own songs. And then yeah. we were like, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. And, we just, and honestly, like, I remember them coming along pretty, pretty well, like, pretty fast, like, mm-hmm. like, the Undercroft album. It took, like, an hour. Yeah, like, some of the songs, we wrote, like, two songs in a day one time, just yeah. everything was clicking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we had those songs for a while, and then when we worked with Toby, we went through pre-production, and we, he kind of brought in her, our horizons on, like, like, what could make this song better, which song, and just kind of all that stuff, and so then... We went to recording with that. When you guys write, you know, where do you find your inspiration? I mean, people write through experiences. They write through observations. They want to tell a story. How do you guys find your place when it comes to that? Sometimes it's hard to think of what to write about because all of Undercroft kind of was about being in like a weird relationship or someone was like doing you wrong. And it was like... Toby says, like, it's kind of like a bad bitch, like, thing, like, kind of empowering songs. But, and then if we would try to write a song that's more uplifting, just nothing would come out. So it was, so sometimes I just make up scenarios in my head, like, um, let's pretend that there's this girl and this guy's, like, lying to her and all this stuff. And then I write a song based on that. Or um, in one of the recent songs that we wrote, I was watching a documentary on Laurel Canyon in California where all the musicians, they all live there and would like write together. And I was like, that would be such a cool place to live in. So I, that was kind of inspiring to write a song about that and what it would be like to live with I think it was like the monkeys were there, mamas and the papas, um, who else? It was like Jackson Brown and the Eagles, they all lived in the same community and would all just write together. And that's like just so inspiring, I think. So it was easy to write a song about that, but hard kind of to write other songs about everyday life. Sometimes it doesn't come natural to me. Now, are you the principal lyricist and everyone else kind of writes the music? Usually that's how it's been, but like if they have a line or like a melody, then it's like, of course, like, yeah, that'd be cool. Musically, we'll we'll usually just say, hey, that sounds pretty cool. And then we'll turn it to a song. Yeah. Yeah. How is that creative process, though, as you guys, you know, keep getting older and you're evolving as people you're evolving as musicians when you think back of the things that you've done in the past to what you're writing now 
has frame 42 found their sound or have, do they have a sound or do you guys are you still searching for it? I don't know. I feel like every song we write is like a little bit different. I think Undercroft um, had its own kind of unique sound, but I think we're still evolving and trying this, to this find it. This album sounds way different. Yeah. So I think it's... I think we're still looking yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's like, it's not that we haven't found our sound. It's we, we just were testing different mm-hmm. sounds out. Yeah. yeah. I think that's exactly We'll always fall, fall under the umbrella of writing rock. But I think just like, we'll be like, experiment like, oh, for this song, let's experiment like here and that kind of thing. But I, yeah, I think we're, I think we just keep expanding just our taste and what could sound good. Well, I think a lot of it comes from, we all listen to like different genres. Like Brock is the self-proclaimed metalhead. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then Lucas is like the funk master. And then, but like all of our different, um, yeah, like our tastes, and we all kind of just take that and apply it, and I think that's where we kind of dabble in different sounds for different songs, and that's where one song will be more mm-hmm. funk-based, or one will mm-hmm. be more yeah. mega-based. Right. Like, it just depends on how it's feeling. Yeah. Well, well, that's important, because if you look at any band, right, they all, they all have a mixture of of influences right because if if everybody wanted it to sound like one thing no band would be different you know when you take van halen as we were talking about eruption you know there's a huge zz top influence in van halen you know along with like the beach boys and the dave clark five it's a very unique influence and any band you know whether it's you know acdc with the chuck with chuck berry and rockabilly and all that kind of stuff there. It's important to have all that, you know, merge together. And even some of the new bands, like, you know, we talk about Julius Wolf a lot on the show, you know, there's no band in my opinion that merges that grungy nineties hard rock with classic rock of the seventies that, you know, like that. It's a very unique sound. So when you find your own sound and when you're searching, the, the exciting thing is, is that when you're young enough, like all of you guys are, like I said, you're going to continue to evolve and by you all listening to something different, whether you realize it or not, you're pushing each other to be better musicians and to be better writers and better creators too, as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As far as the band goes, what's it like being a part of this great new emerging rock scene that has been developing over the last five to seven years, really, especially over the last five to seven years, when you think of Greta Van Fleet, who came from Michigan, you think of the struts, you think of Dirty Honey, you think of the warning, you think of bands you know, that we've already talked about and others. There really is this push now with new rock. And I know, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's resonating, but it just continues to keep growing. And inch by inch, it's it's getting in the face and getting in the ears of young people. What's that like for you guys being at Ground Zero, being at the beginning of this? Well, I mean, I think, especially for us, since we live in Michigan as well, Greta Van Fleet was like that kind of like the skyrocket that kind of showed us like it's a band. The band went ma- like mainstream, and like everybody like knows mm-hmm. them, everybody lis- oh, listens to them, and they live so close to us. And so I think that was like that gave us a huge inspiration that like wow, we can really do this. 
Yeah. That was a big part. I I think it's kind of cool because it's like you see all these bands that you play with locally, and then as each band grows, you see them kind of progress in their field, and we progress in ours, and you see each other kind of get on bigger and bigger bills and it's kind of like oh that's cool you know we played with those guys yeah at this yeah. small bar down the street but yeah. now they're yeah. playing this and we're playing this and it's like all right it's like you know a community that kind of grows together and like splits off and you get to witness that and i think that yeah. yeah i think that's really very cool. exciting really- to watch and it's very interesting too because it seems like a lot of the new bands really do support each other instead of working against one another you know everyone's kind of working together um, you know, with with trying to build this scene organically. Yeah, we all just want the same thing, and that's just to bring rock back. Mm-hmm. Right. Not like it ever left. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's interesting because the more and more I think about it and the more and more conversations I have, everybody's so concerned about rock being the height of popularity like it once was. Right. We think of those days, especially like when I grew up or in the 70s, when it was all over everywhere you looked. And that's great. Right. That's the ideal situation. But I also think rock is in a really good place because it's got a really underground feel to it, you know, where where it's it's our music again. It's not a corporate based music. It's not, you know, overproduced. The new bands like yourselves are really into doing the grind um and doing the work necessary and you know not just show up and expect to get a record deal or whatever it really is a a authentic time to be in rock music in my opinion yeah yeah Yeah. it feels very like personal like it's cool like ben was saying like a community that you're just watching grow and just supporting each other it's awesome what was it like being on your first tour last year i know it kind of it didn't and well, because of COVID, but you still had that experience of going out on the road for a little bit. What was that like for you guys? Amazing. It was yeah. incredible. It was, yeah. it was pretty surreal because it was like you dream about it for so many years. And then it was just like one night you go to a gig with, in this case, it was Joyous Wolf. And it was like everything changed that night. And yeah. it was funny because my mom and I were talking about that on the drive down. Like what happens when like we just get pulled out on tour just all of a sudden? And it just happened to happen like four hours later. Yeah. And it was, you just, it was so sudden and exciting. And it is a very cherished memory for yeah. me and for all of us. When we found out we would be going on tour, we all just like were hugging and crying. Like yeah, yeah. I heard our manager, Chris, talking to <clears throat> Stripes, which is Joyous Wolf's um, tour manager. And I heard him talking about like Fort Walton Beach and all these places. And I was just like, Hmm, interesting. There are a few rumors going around the uh, band that night. And then um, they told us, they were like, if you want, like, next week, you have to be in Texas. (laughs) See you in Texas. That's what was so crazy about it, because, like, it was just all a dream for all of us, and then... It was literally a Tuesday. I think the next, it was like, the yeah, next it was like a Wednesday night or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The we next like Friday up. or something, we left. See you in a week. Yeah. So it was yeah. just like it. It felt so far away, and then it just happened like that, and it was yeah. like wow, like right. dream come true, really. How did that come together? I mean, obviously, you had to get noticed somehow, some way. Yeah. But how did that initiate? 
We just opened for Joyous Wolf. It was like a super last minute gig too yeah. that we just were gonna open for them at the Token Lounge in Michigan. Yeah, it was it was one of the gigs on their um, tour schedule. Like one of the first gigs or something, and yeah. it was Nick's birthday also yeah. on that yeah. day. But um, so. and then Paul Cobb, who is kind of like our booking agent, was uh, talking to Joyous Wolf and ended up kind of landing us a tour after we opened for them and it was like this all happened in the same day like before we even left the venue we were going on tour with joy's world right, yeah. <laughs> so that was just like yeah. crazy did that validate what you guys were doing i mean like you said it's one thing to play at a pub or you know get these gigs here and there but to actually have a band enjoy watching you wanting you on a tour when you've been in a basement practicing or a garage practicing, did that give you a sense of validation? Like, Hey, we're, we're doing something right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just reinforced the idea because I mean, like when you do, when there's like a sense of repetitiveness, I guess you kind of get like, um, you might feel like you're at a roadblock or something and you're not like progressing, but then something like that happens and it's like, Nope, you're, what you're doing is good. You're on the, just keep right working. track. Just keep plugging away at it. Like the work's paying off. Exactly. Yeah. So lots, you know, there's been some changes within the band over the, you know, the past uh, month or so, a couple of months. And how has that affected the creative process? How, how would you guys view yourselves moving forward? I think we're just trying to, um, you know, keep writing and, um, staying tight and staying positive and mm-hmm. I think it really it hasn't really prevented us from being creative right. and it's, it's just gonna add to the new sounds of the new album just try continue to try new things out mm-hmm. um, you might see one of the, some of the guys singing here <laughs> eventually <laughs> Yeah, we had. I was giving him a vocal lesson today before we came here. <laughs> like an hour ago. <laughs> me, 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 me. What's that like though for you guys? I mean, you guys are young. You guys have, you know, had this band. You guys have come up together, and then you have a member leave. How is that for you guys? How is that adjustment for you? I mean, it's just you know, you just gotta uh, you gotta uh, adjust to it, but. Um, you know, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. We just, because, right. you know, we're still, we're young and we we set a path and we just got to right. keep doing everything to keep going on that path. Right. Like, it yeah. it definitely sucked, but there's, I mean, yeah, there's nothing we can do but just to move forward and keep working. Mm-hmm. We got to follow our dreams, so just keep doing it. 2021, you had your album um come out now 2022 what is the plans for new music we're still writing we're, still we're writing. hoping maybe to at least get a single out there maybe yeah. before hopefully yeah. before the end of the year yeah, but definitely, uh definitely that's kind of where we're going I've, i don't know i've heard like some people recommend only doing singles some people think you should do an album so i don't really know what we're gonna do but I think it's definitely in the it's back common. of our there's, mind. Yeah, new, there's there's plenty of new music. New music, yeah. new music will be out. <laughs> whether it's yeah, yeah. It is it is interesting to see what bands do. You have bands do singles, mm-hmm. 
you know, every couple of months or every month they release a new single. You have a band like Big Wreck out of Canada. Tremendous band. I think they're doing, they started late last year and into this year. I think they're going to do three or four EPs every few months. And then you have the full length album. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Everybody has a different point of view. I don't think any viewpoint is wrong. I just think you need to have the plan in place, you know, for whatever you're going to do. If you're going to do a full length album, are you going to release, you know, six or seven singles off that album and have 12 total or 10 total? If you're going to do an EP, you know, how often are you going to drop? You know, if you do, if you record 10 songs, you can do five and five. It's just, Whatever you do, you just have to have that plan because I've seen I've seen bands be really successful doing it anywhere they want to do it, and then bands, you know, there's a lag time. The whole idea is you want to stay in front of people, you know, yeah. because people's attention span is so short these days. Yeah. Who is the? Um, is it Buckethead? Yeah, Buckethead is like. 500 albums or something like that. When we were on tour, I think Michael pulled it up on Wikipedia. Because we were thinking about like when we should have our next album out, and I was like, I wonder who has the most albums. And I looked it up, and it was like Buckethead. It was Buckethead. But like, it's a comical amount. Yeah. It was like, Like, how does does he, I I didn't even know that. Like, he, how many albums? He had like, like, like five hundred. Yeah, so he, he had like over a hundred in 2015 alone. Yeah, <laughs> like how is that possible? I I like I listened to them. I listened to them, and they were like good. Like they were full like, length. Songs. Songs. They were totally different. All one takes. So <laughs> record does an album. Goes home. Done. I mean, you'd think at some point, you know, because you're playing so much music that something is going to sound similar. You know. Yeah. Because it's just that's just the na- the nature of the beast when you're recording that much stuff. Like something's gonna sound like something, and it's just that's crazy. I never even heard of that. I have to look that up when I'm done talking with you guys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you like like what album do you talk about when you when you're promoting yourself? Album yeah. number you know? like yeah. two twenty five or whatever. Today we're so, two seventy two through two eighty five. <laughs> so that's like so like a hundred. He did a hundred albums last year. It was like over a hundred albums in 2015, 2015 alone. But like he's upwards of like over five hundred now. So if you do like hundred and twenty, that's basically ten albums a month. Okay. Yeah. That's like an album every other day. That's an album every other day. <laughs> he doesn't stop, bro. No. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, putting together the new music, um, you guys mentioned you know, with the changes and moving forward, uh, you know, continuing on your path. What's different about the writing process this time around than it was in the last album in terms of the music? Well, I think uh, the biggest difference is we're now writing for one lead singer as opposed to two, and now it's going to be one with support behind her. And it really allows Ava to open up her voice. And it's, like, crazy how powerful it can get. Like, we're playing gigs, and it's like, holy cow. Like, that is incredible. And so yeah, it's I think, really I think, exciting. I, yeah, I just think, you know, just with the changes, we're going to write and accommodate, and accommodate to those changes. And I think what will come out will be, I, mean, I think it will be really good. Because, I mean, now we got... 
five guys trying to hit a note with their voice supporting her. So trying. Trying. <laughs> so we'll get there. They but... will get there. <laughs> you guys mentioned all the shows and festivals that you're doing, rubbing elbows with, you know, some of the some of your heroes. Um, you know, when you're in a situation like that and you're playing, um, how much how much of the playing at these festivals how much does it elevate your game playing in front of playing with these other artists? How much is it, is it nervousness? Um, is it a mixture? Like, what do you guys feel when you, when you're at these events? We did um, Earth Day birthday in Orlando in April. And that was our first big festival. And to me, it's just like, I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. I'm like, let's show all these people like what we can do. I haven't, I don't really get nervous except for, like, um, I get nervous sometimes, but not really at, in big gigs. Like, I'm just excited. I'm ready to go. I think yeah, right. I think a big part is, like, you see all those bands, like, and everybody's playing. So, like, naturally, like, you want to be, like, one of the ones that stand out. So you just want to give it your all and just right. hope for the best. Right. And just enjoy the scene, the scenery being with all the other bands. And just, yeah, just play your heart out. How do you guys push yourselves as musicians, as artists? Uh, I think it comes to, like, falling back on each other. Like, with there being five of us, like, there's always somebody pushing you to be better. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you think, like, I think with writing, it happens a lot where, like, someone will present something and they're like, well, I mean, it's good, but it can, you know. Yeah, we can do better. Like, we know each other and we know we're capable of something better. And it forces us. To right. go back and rework and kind of push ourselves. So I think the unity is the main driving force behind right. ourselves. Is that for all five of you guys, or is that pretty five much? Five. Yeah. yeah, I think, too, like, it's just how are you going to, you know, stand out? There's a million bands, like, what makes you different? And that kind of pushes me to really give it my all and to just, like, how am I going to make these people remember us, you know? And then it's just, here we are. (laughs) When you get down to that creative process and you're writing music and, you know, you guys had that, you know, the great album last year. Um, When you're, when you're sitting together and you're writing and you're trying to come up with something, how, how do you, how do you keep evolving? There's pushing yourselves as musicians, but then there's also the evolution of the artist, right? You start out going to these concerts and hearing these concerts, seeing, you know, the Beatles thing in Vegas, and then you start to want to be on stage. You start to, you know, want to write music. You know, how does that, how do you stay ahead of that evolution or how do you stay in that evolution of allowing yourself, like we talked about at the beginning of the interview, continue to find your sound? Well, jam. I, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, we jam, just play all the time. Like, even if we, random song, we'll, me and Brock will just start playing and everyone will just join in. Like, that's such a healthy way to not get, like, writer's block when you're trying to make new stuff. Like, if you're always jamming, like, and even if uh, in the middle of a gig something goes wrong, like, you can always just uh, improv. Improv, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think it comes down to, like, 
<clears throat> our individual growth as musicians and and then as our tastes evolve individually it kind of brings in new elements to the writing process and so we keep adding individually more and more spices into the pot yeah yeah how, how do you find those quote-unquote spices how do you find that stuff that you know is it just a matter of you know, listening to things that maybe you wouldn't normally listen to, stretching yourself artistically, influence yourself by things maybe you wouldn't think would influence you. How do you, how do you find that? Yeah, I think sometimes it's like you maybe even find a new artist that you really like and you get inspired or sometimes I take some song lyrics out of if I'm watching like Real Housewives and they say something and I'm like, that would be a really good song title. I've done that before. So I think like, it's just every time you get inspiration, you can get inspired by something new, you know, every day. And that just naturally will evolve. And I mean, it comes with practice and everything that makes you better. But yeah, I think it's kind of the same for me. Like, if I'm at work, I'll have like my made for you playlist like by Spotify or whatever, and it's just a bunch of stuff that, you know, I might like and I might not, and I think that's how I kind of find new music, but, like, I'll hear a song, I mean, a lot of it I might not like, but every now and then there'll be that one that just pops right out to me, and and then that opens up a whole new door of sounds for me, and then I can take that and incorporate it into how I write if there's a certain riff or, like, a certain style of a guitarist but i was gonna say just kind of agreeing with ben like just how um we all kind of listen to different music so we all get inspiration or our spices from different things so we all mix them together when we're writing like rock put me on metal like i don't know (laughs) like three years into the band and then like half of my fills now are just metal fills but like, we just show each other what we like, different music. Like, even if it's not what we would normally listen to, we're pretty open. Yeah, that yeah. takes a lot of pressure, too, off songwriting. We were trying to write, like, a song a day. And when you're thinking about, like, when the pressure's off, like, this doesn't have to be on the album, then it just makes it, right. like, so much more light and you get to experiment with different stuff because that pressure isn't there, that it has to be perfect right away. So I think that kind well, of... Like, it goes back to what Lucas said, just jamming. Yeah. Right. Like, well, it doesn't have to be perfect as long as you're doing something. And a song, you know, like you said, Ava, it doesn't have to be on the album. There's plenty of artists that will record a song, write a song, and that song probably won't, may not be done till three albums down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, like it still it still needs to cook a little more. Um, you know, like Richie Kotzen, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He um he's a com- tremendous guitar player. He just did a 50 for 50 album, 50 songs on his 50th birthday, and they were songs that he had not finished. Wow. And um just songs that he wrote over his career that he decided to finally finish them for this album. But yeah, songs just, you know, whenever they're done, they're done. Right. I think yeah. our producer Toby kind of put us in that song a day thing because a big problem we had was we felt like it had to be perfect before we could present it, even to Toby or anyone else. 
So I think just removing that pressure of just him saying, like, you know, it doesn't have to, like, it can just be an idea of, yeah. like, see what you write. And just, like, mm-hmm. if you do a song a day, then you're not worrying about, like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to fix the bridge on this one. Or we should, we should work. Just keep going and just keep letting all the ideas, like, flow so you're not stumped. Mm-hmm. Or one part of one song somehow will work with another song you wrote. Like, that a yeah, lot. Yeah. 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 Different riffs and lines and all kinds of stuff yeah it's fun it's like a frankenstein song it's like a big puzzle sometimes you know yeah what um in terms of the you know you guys playing guitar um are you guys chasing a tone that you want to hear yourself play your own unique style how how does that how do you guys work that out there you go that's a good question um I think a lot, I bass, because I usually play more lead, so I kind of want to base my tone more off of, like, I really like, like, Steve Vai and, like, Eric Johnson and maybe Sinister Gaze a little, but, like, they kind of, like, I like kind of have them, like, more, like, a spacey, but it's, like, it's not as gritty and, like, grungy, but, like, it's, like, it has room to breathe for, like, the leads. I think that's one of the things that Steve Vai does the best is he plays so fast, like on a lot of parts, but like you always like, you always hear like a little room for each note to shine through. And so I kind of want to be able to do that too. I mean, I feel like I have the sound in my head and I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like... Like I'll mess with everything, like I'll, like all the knobs and dials, and sometimes I won't even be able to like I'll have a tone one gig, and then something will get bumped or whatever, and then I won't be able to recreate it, and that's really annoying. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture of it too, and I'll try to reset everything, and it's like I don't know what's wrong. Something's different, and but then it falls back into. Okay. I get ridiculed for tones a lot. <laughs> But sometimes it just clicks and it's just like I crave like a just a fat, kind of bottomy, crunchy, just a hard rhythm. And as far as bass playing goes, who do you try to emulate? Who who do you try to 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 you know to listen to? Who's your influences? Um definitely probably the biggest influence is Cliff Burton from Metallica. Like he was Everything that I think the bass could be in rock and metal, but hasn't been really explored too much. Because whenever a bass part is like really cool, usually that's the exception instead of the norm. And instead it's just like a three note sort of root note thing. And so I'm trying to explore the more like deranged side to bass and the more (laughs) extreme. (laughs) Yeah, I'm popping out the thesaurus here. I, I studied up. Oh yeah. I I never heard that word in any interview. So uh, that's a first. Good on you, Brock. Yeah, you can mark that one up. We got we got it. As drumming goes, I think of that interview with Dave Kroll that I recently heard, probably about a year or two ago, where they were talking about smells like team spirit, and it's pretty much the introduction to the grunge era, especially for MTV at the time. And the drum beat is a based off a funk drum beat. 
And he talks about that, that beginning at drum is, is, I think it was, um, I forget what, what drummer it was. I think it may have been like, um, parliament, the drummer from parliament, um, that, uh, if you hear that drum beat and you go listen to some parliament, you hear that funky style. You mentioned, you know, your influence on funk as a drummer. What, you know, what are some of the players that you turn to and you listen to, um, to get your sound, to get your pocket, to get your, you know, your, um, your crunch? I mean, I'm going to be, <laughs> dude, wait, this is like a, um, you're like Arnold Lewis. No, I know. I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> like it's, oh, unpopular opinion, whatever. That's uh, not uh, like, I don't know. Like I'm me personally, like I've never really studied like individual people like i i i've listened to bands and like i just always like what i like i guess but dave grohl is one of my like inspirations because like on stage like my whole thing i'm not technically the best i don't have crazy chops or anything but i just like i play as hard as i can yeah, like i just put pretty good you are yeah. Good. well yeah i got some chops but whatever but I just, he's got chops I just, and he's humble. <laughs> nah, I just I just try to it's play as hard as I can. Like I want to break those drum heads every every hit. Like that's my goal. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And as far as singing, Ava, who, who are you? How do you try to? And like, who are your biggest influences? Well, I really like again. I love Paul McCartney, but I don't think I really sound like him that much. <laughs> but recently, mm. I've really been into. Um, the Pretty Reckless and Taylor Momsen. I think she has an amazing voice. Um, but, and, and Janis Joplin, I get sometimes that I sound like her, but I don't really want to sound like anybody. I really just want to be my own, but I still have like a ton of influences. And I think that's what's cool. Like you were saying, like you take all the influences and it makes your own thing. So I'm hopefully to have my own sound and not, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's, there's influences in delivery. There's influences in, de- in approach and, you know, how someone delivers a line, you know, people hear, hear singers. And like you said, you don't want to sound like them, but you know, maybe how they approach a lyric or a delivery on something is, is something that you are influenced by, or that's something how you, you your approach to singing is. Yeah, yeah. I think like that would be probably again like Taylor Momsen or you know Janis Joplin. Sometimes recently a lot of people have said that I sound like Lizzie Hale. I've got, got and so I think sometimes I like that grit or like I don't really know how to describe it. Then I'm like, yeah, I could, I could hear that a little bit. That's probably my biggest influence though is taylor momsen so you guys got some gigs coming up here towards the end of the year are you going to be in the studio at some point maybe recording a song or two um it's an exciting time to be frame 42 i can imagine yeah yeah it's really exciting as far as next steps, you guys mentioned the single, um, not to get too far ahead of yourselves, but is there going to be any type of touring in the Midwest or other places while you're working on that stuff? Um, we, well, we, we have, have a, a mini tour. Yeah, but, mini tour. Yeah. We're going to, um, we've just got um, a head, we've got our feelers out for some 
for some tours. We'd love to tour again. Yeah. We're just That'd looking for the right uh, the right. right connection to get us to someone. <laughs> but that's like we would drop everything, go on tour for again. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. million years. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey guys, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a joy to talk with you guys and finally learn more about you. Um, been a big fan of you guys here for a while, so thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks Thank for having, you. Thank you for having us. All right, everybody. That is Frame 42 from Michigan. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock mini podcast. Stay strong, stay safe. We'll talk soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.